Hi, this is Bare Naked Worship, Finding the Sacred in the Ordinary. Tonight's story is called From an Old Journal. I wrote this for myself years ago when I was a struggling single mother of two adorable little girls, and my nights were often long because I couldn't sleep. I was filled with anxious worries. I was lonely, I was scared. I felt like no one would ever understand how big the world seemed and how small I felt in it. The girls and I were living in a small upstairs apartment in a parsonage in cold, beautiful Valparaiso, Indiana. Downstairs lived our preacher and his wife and their lively teenagers. I so wished to have a life like theirs. They were creative and happy and warm and friendly, and they had neat things like a pad by their phone with real messages on it and a routine and chores and real meals together at a real dining room table where they ate food that filled their bellies while they shared conversation that filled their souls. They came up with wildly perfect birthday parties for my oldest daughter. The other one was still a baby. And I always, always didn't want to leave their warmth, their sunny home, their happy smiles, the safe, secure stability I felt around them. So one night, I think it was after Zoe's third birthday, I went back up to my little apartment and I settled the girls in bed and I sat by the tall, big window that looked down on Washington Street. I saw snow on the ground. I saw the stately magnolia tree. I hugged my sweater close to me and I just started to cry. I cried for what I thought the girls were missing out on, a real family, a mom and dad together, a future that wouldn't be marked by lack of money and stability and order. And then I thought that what I really needed to do was pray. So I got out a paper and a pencil piece of a, a paper and pen and I wrote this prayer. Dear Father, here I sit. Here I sit in this little room with the snow swirling around outside and my babies tucked into bed. I feel so very, very alone. I have failed. I failed as a wife, I failed as a nurse, I failed as a writer. I felt as a mother, and worst, I think, I felt as a Christian. I know you must be disappointed, God. I know my mother is, and I don't blame you one bit. Look at me. I've dropped the ball so many times. I can't balance a checkbook. I can't hold a job. I can't keep a marriage going. I live in an apartment above a real family, a family that works, that is the real deal. I'm jealous, Lord, but I'm also desperately in love with what they have, who they are, and what they represent. Why is my life so far from theirs? Why have I gone so far from that dream I once had of having and being a family just like theirs? I'm cold. I'm cold on the inside. It's cold outside, but I can handle that. Even the millions of trips up and down the stairs with the girls, always being so afraid I'll drop one of them. Always tired by the time I finish bundling me into those infernal snowsuits. I hate snowsuits. But still, I can handle that kind of cold. The wind whipping my face till it's red as beets. The snow crunching under my feet, freezing my body as I give in to Zoe's millionth request to make snow angels with her. It's all cold and white and winter and freezing and blistering cold on my lips, my hair, my face, my arms. But I can handle this cold. It's the cold in my heart that scares me, God. It's the coldness that tells me I'm never going to make it. I'll never be good enough, strong enough, smart enough. I'm just never going to make it. I'll be a failure for the rest of my life. I can bundle up in two coats, wear a fuzzy hat and thick mittens to counter the other cold, but there are no coats, hats, mittens, scarves, or blankets for my heart. It is cold and it is impenetrable. 
Are you there, God? Can you still hear me? Have I fallen too far beneath your heavenly radar? I joke, but the fear is real. I really do wonder if I've flown too far beneath and too low even for you to find me. If you're there, if you care at all, will you please answer me? Please find me. Please let me know. I need you. I don't deserve you, but I do. I need your love. I need your warmth. I need you at my table. I need you in my home and in this cold, icy heart of mine. In Jesus' name, amen. That was the prayer. Beneath those words, scrawled hastily and with a few stains from old tear splotches, I, I saw another prayer written. This is what I felt God said back to me after my prayer to him. Dearest child, I see you sitting there by the window as the snow falls down. I see your messy ponytail and the stain on your pink shirt from where Chloe threw up. I see your cluttered living room and the sink full of baby plates and bottles. I see your baby sleeping in the bed with a tiny quilt your mother sent from Georgia. I see your head bent. I see the tears falling on your journal as you write to me. Yes, my child, I see it all, but I've always seen it all. And I hear you. I hear you crying in the night. I hear you trying to put up a good front around others. I hear the quiet desperation that you think you hide so well. I hear you. I hear the hurt in your voice. I hear your heartbeat pounding with fear when it's time for you to do the things you think you can't do, even simple things like pay the bills and be the grown-up. I feel your pain. I feel it here in my own heart every time you feel it there in yours. I know you're frightened. I know you feel like a misfit. I know you think that you're a failure and that I don't want you anymore, that no one wants you anymore. But you are wrong, my child. You are so very, very wrong. Because you see, I love all the parts of you, all those bits and pieces that make up who you are, who you really are inside. I love the mistakes you have made, the weird wrong choices, the bad calls, the upsets, the times you miss the mark. I love those times, the wrong decisions, the indecision, the rebellious decisions. I love the long nights, the tears and nervous laughter, that huge lump that is in your throat when you're about to cry but trying so hard not to. I love those parts every bit as much as the other parts, the ones you do like, the good things you do when no one's watching, the way you love your girls with everything you have inside of you, the way you took pecan cookies to your neighbor Tim and made him smile, the way you save leftovers for the stray dog in the park down the road, the way you keep getting up, dressing the girls, putting the snowsuits on and making it to church because deep down you really, really long for me. You see, my child, you are no failure. You are the most pure form of success. I created you. Don't you think that I already knew which, in advance which twist and turn your life would take? Did you not know that I already see the mistakes you would make? Every wrong mistake, every wrong turn. I saw them before they happened. I am omnipotent. I see and know all things. I love you, Donna, because of your humanity. I love your wistful longing for the divine. I love your fevered rush to be your best, and I love equally your innocent hurt when you feel you didn't quite make the mark. But you did make the mark, you see, because the mark is you. The mark is who you are, the entirety of who you are. You with all of your triumphs. You with all of your goodness. You with all of your earnest love. And you equally with all of your failures, all those falling down times, all the mistakes and shortcomings and what you call failures, 
It's all part and parcel of who you are. An incredible, amazing, honest, real human being. I do all things well, my child. That includes you.